Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined, as always, by Darby Robinson. Darby, we spoke just a few days ago, but we're doing a special midweek recording with the trade deadline just passing. The vibes were, I think, in a different place the last time we recorded. The Rays are coming off now. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, they're very different. Back very much back so. Yeah. Road series wins, including against the defending uh, world champions, the Houston Astros, and your arch rivals in the American League East, but are now in the basement of the American League East, the New York Yankees. You take two of three. We need Let to redo that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to redo that. Do we not win this year? The Braves are the, the Braves, the Braves. We did, but the Braves are the defending world champions. No, they won in 2021. The, the Astros won last year. They did. <laughs> I now I got that wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, I remember Dusty Baker in well, the World Series. That's we're gonna leave right. it all in. I, I I flipped him. I flipped him. I literally legitimately thought it was twenty one for the Astros and then the Braves last year. While I was saying it, I had the same thought. I'm like, so wait weird. a second. Did the Astros win? But they did not. These We're teams got to stop going to the World Like the Astros keep going to the World Series, and that's like confused. That's and very the Braves confusing. have clearly yeah. already won. I think you're probably confused because the Braves have already won the 2023. They've World won 2023, yeah. yeah. And so now we're just I'm on to 2024. Exactly, exactly. Really, really quick, we're gonna get into the episode and the Rays. But like, man, uh, my take on the trade deadline was it is not worth buying when you're in the same league and you're competing for the same trophy as the Atlanta Braves. Because they're just going to win it. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. We always say that. Listen, before the season, people were saying that there were there were some crowns going around for the team yeah. in Queens. Yeah. yeah. And those crowns don't look so good right now. So but no, the Braves do look great. I mean, they're like they're great all around. Um they did and they did enough, you know, uh at the deadline to like sure up a couple of like bench spots here and there, but they got Yanni you know, Chirinos. I, I, uh, they got Yanni Chirinos. I mean, they're just churning through that fifth starter spot. They had uh uh they're just turning up young guys. They're they they had Mike Soroka in there, Yanni Chirinos is in there. Just basically you you're gonna be in there for a solid five innings coming up next week, I think. Like yeah. four, maybe four and two thirds, and then they're gonna turn it over to the pen. Maybe. Braves Maybe. just throw everybody out. It's 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 so far been their year, but we've seen eh, we, you never know in October. It was weird seeing, stuff I, happens. I had I had the Braves game on today and seeing Yanni pitch, he looked so happy. He looked so comfortable. Not to say that he wasn't with the Rays. I think he was just the odd man out, could declare free agency if he was option because he had the service time. So he he goes they go their separate ways. He goes to Atlanta. And like I said, he's already got a World Series ring because they're clearly going to win it. Um, and so good for Yanni. I hope he sticks with them um, for the rest of the regular season or at least most of the regular season. But back to the Rays. Beat the defending world champions, the Houston Astros. And now, of this uh, year, yes. <laughs> yeah, the of, the, of, the, of the non-asterisk year, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and then coming off a series winning against the New York Yankees and Darby, I made the best decision yes. of my life. I, I was so pumped coming into tonight's game. Garrett Cole, Shane McClanahan, the Rays are playing well. They're going for the sweep in the Bronx. And it starts off the best way possible. Yandy Diaz drawing a walk, the most exciting thing in sports. 
And then mm-hmm. Wander Franco with a majestic 431-foot home run. The vibes at that point were immaculate. Like, almost mm-hmm. getting back to the point where they were during the middle of this amazing great run in April and May. Then John Carlos Stanton hits a three-run home run later, and it's five to two Yankees. And I made the best decision of my life. Before the ball even landed, I changed the channel. Didn't even get to see it. The Didn't vibes it. are still the vibes are still good for me. I don't know. Did the ball land? Who knows? It did. It did, it did. and the Rays lost, uh, but I don't care. I I stopped watching. And so for me, that's fair. Vibes are still it's hard to sweep. It's hard to sweep teams, even even teams that are struggling as much as the Yankees are. Uh, but you got to win series against those teams, and the Rays did. So they the Rays have gotten back to back series wins since the be- the first time since the beginning of uh, of June. Uh, yeah. So that's been a long time coming, uh, about two months or so uh, without getting back to back series wins. So they got that. Uh, it's now August. July is behind the team. So. Overall, I'd say the vibes are much, much better now. It feels like the team the last few days has also played much more like the team of the first half. Maybe not quite the the world eaters that they were, uh, but at least like this is a back to being a a, a elite level team with great pitching, bullpen, and some good pop in that lineup. So. That's it's good to just turn the page and now see the last third of the season and see what that yeah. brings. No, I'm definitely back on the excited side. I think for most of July, it was not very excited about the team. And the Rays are still behind the Orioles in the AL East. And I think we can fairly say it is going to be one hell of a battle uh, these last two months. But part of the reason I think we are excited is because the Rays had a what I consider a, a pretty nice trade deadline. They tidied some things up. They made a splash. And they didn't trade away anybody for money reasons. Like, I am, for maybe more than more so than in recent years, really pleased with how the Rays came away in this trade deadline. I am too. Yeah, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good deadline. I think they, I, I think before the, the deadline we were talking uh, last time on this pod about how I I didn't want I thought they were going to do some things, and I thought that was okay, like not going they weren't going to buy like crazy I didn't think they were going to buy a ton and and kind of go like all in and I didn't really want them to I didn't want them to push all those chips we mentioned like the Braves that's not necessarily the reason not to go all in but also I just feel like the team as is there wasn't enough to improve there was a lot of people that needed to improve but it was not a lot that you could improve at this deadline and complicating that even more was a winning streak by the final the first four game winning streak from San Diego and and then the Angels getting some good series wins and then those two teams going from sellers to buyers uh, you had the Cubs deciding they're not going to sell. So that really kind of took a lot of the possible interesting sellers out of the market. And what was left, honestly, you'd rather just stick with what the Rays had and then just hope that, you know, Brandon Lau and Wander Franco and Randy Rosarena got hot. 
like that they, and not even just hot but just like get back to who they are like you don't have to ask them to to do anything superhuman you just have to ask them to be be them and yeah. they've started we're seeing that life again so I think the deadline was exactly what the Rays should have done. And they even made a, a kind of a bigger move than I was expecting. I was, I, yeah. and, and we should talk about that next. They, they address yeah. starting pitching and length. That's what we all kind of going in. That was the talk was they needed to get a starting pitcher, somebody that can give them some length. And there was a lot of names thrown out there. And we talked about, I'm not sure if it was on the pot or after in depth about Lance Lynn, and how would we be disappointed if that the Rays didn't get Lynn if they came away with nothing? And they went a lot bigger than Lynn. They they sure did. They got Aaron Savale from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for, and, and this is very much an open discussion, Kyle Manzardo, one of the top prospects, a guy mm-hmm. who, like, the day before or earlier that day, I had said... There are three, pro- four prospects that I was not comfortable with the Rays trading. Um, it was Curtis Mead. It was Kyle Manzardo, um, Junior Caminero, and one other prospect that whose name is escaping me. Uh, but uh, Kyle Manzardo is on that list. And, and I mainly meant for like rental players or like, players that have an option like like any of the rentals that were moved at this year's deadline a it, it, i also would expect that they would have been part of a package uh, but a manzardo for savale one for one trade very interesting and i think could be a win for both sides like it just it, it feels like a fair trade darby i'm, I'm curious of your thoughts I think it is a very fair trade. I think it's a it's very rare to get like a prospect for major leaguer with years of control, one for one type of deal. Like not no other kickers, no lottery, no money. Just that pitcher who's in the major leagues who has two and a half years left for this prospect who's yet to debut. So six years of control. Totally fit like it, it's like weirdly like I'm sure it wasn't simple. Uh Peter Bendix on, on the broadcast today was talking about how it's been, you know, kind of like a month of discussions about it. Um but it at the end of the day just seems like a pretty good fair and maybe it started with a lot of pieces, like a lot of you know yes, the the seven eight guy and then uh uh the twenty-fifth guy and then cleveland's like well we need we we, we really want camonero back or or no we want uh mead and then they're like no we're not gonna move mead but how about mm-hmm. greg jones and carson williams and we're like no and then so it does feel like there was probably a lot of that and then eventually the deadline came and they were like all right we're gonna get what is widely considered the best prospect moved at the deadline there is a lot of yeah. I would say there would be a lot of contention about that. I think Drew Gilbert, I think, could be considered maybe better. Um, but I I think that's a very, at the very least, one of, if not the best prospect moved at the deadline. Definitely one of the higher ranked ones. He was, uh, at the start of the season, Manzardo was in the top 50 
uh, floating around in the 30s range or low 40s of a lot of top 100 lists. I think after uh, BA updated, Baseball America updated their list, he, he was fallen a bit to like the late lower 60s, but still a top 75 prospect in all of baseball. Um, very talented first base only prospect. Uh, and that's probably one of the big reasons why of the top uh, five guys for the Rays, this is the one that they were willing to trade. And I will say this. I think when we were talking last and we were talking about, you know, Lance Lynn and, and Jack Flaherty and Marcus Stroman and like those type of like rental options. And I was thinking, you know, do we do the Rays want to try to touch any of those top five? I think the thing with Lance Lynn, and there was a lot of talk that they were they were very close on Lynn. They were almost there on Lynn. I actually don't think Lynn would have precluded this deal from happening. I think I think the Rays, and it came out after Savali trade ended, and it was Bob Nightingale, so he's taken with a heaping mound of salt, but that the Rays had been calling Jerry DePoto in Seattle and was they were interested in potentially getting one of the pitchers from the Mariners. They have a bunch of young, super talented pitchers. Logan Gilbert's name had been floated. And I think the Rays were in that big game hunt for a starting pitcher. And I think it seems like Kyle Manzardo might've been a trade chip for not just like at the deadline that they soured on him. I think they just saw this season. We saw Jonathan Aranda be heating up who can play first. We saw Curtis Mead. They clearly like him. He's also a guy that may end up at first. We've seen the emergence of a guy like Austin Shenton. Yandy Diaz got a, a contract extension. And Xavier Isaac in the low minors has been absolutely hitting the cover off the ball. I think all of that together, I don't think they did, they soured on Kyle Manzardo, the player or the prospect. I think they saw a huge log jam. And once Yandy signed that long-term deal, I thought Manzardo might have been the guy they were looking at as the very best chip they had that was the most superfluous that they could then move for something that they don't have. And, and that ended up being uh, the guy who had the, who has the best ERA in the American league. Yeah, no. Uh, Which is definitely not why they did it, by the way. They yeah. don't, I don't think the Rays <laughs> give a crap about our ERA, but that's something for the AM sports radio folks. When you say they raised didn't do anything, they got the guy with the TRA that you guys like that stuff. You guys like the ERA crown. So, like, there you go. They gave, they gave you one. The stat nerds gave you one. You know, it, it is like there is something to it, though, right? Like, this guy has prevented runs better than anyone else in the major in the American League this year. Um, it, it's worked so far, yeah. And, and while, like, last year I think he had, like, an ERA, like, in the high fours, who cares, right? Uh yeah, it happens. We, Last we, year's we, can happen. We don't really know what Aaron Savale is, but we know that he's good enough to pitch in the big leagues and you're like comfortable with him starting for you. Um, yeah, I very much think it could have been a trade, like a trade that started a couple months ago where it's like the Rays calling Cleveland saying, hey, we really like Aaron Savale. And Cleveland saying, well, we really like Kyle Manzardo. Let's start thinking about a package that can involve those players. And then all of a sudden you get back to, you get down to it. And it's like, ah, 
yeah, you're right. We don't need to include Mead or Tanner Bibby or Bo Naylor or Manzardo or Caminero. Yeah, let's just do Manzardo for for Savali uh, straight up. I do have some kind of breaking news. Um, maybe you'll know more by the time you're listening to this, but Shane McClanahan felt some tightness on the outside of his left forearm warming up for the fourth inning and will fly back to Tampa on Thursday to have it checked by Team Doctor. That is from Mark Topkin about 25 mm. minutes ago. Um, and again, this was a great debate you and I had off air uh, after we recorded this most recent podcast where I was kind of arguing for you need to trade for someone in case uh, McClanahan or Glass now gets hurt. And your side of the debate was kind of like, eh, if either of them get hurt, the season's probably a wash. So we know the Rays did trade for a starting pitcher. Is, is now McClanahan. I think that I remember I did say I did say that was a, the caveat of the Lance Lynn types and Jack yes. Flaherty types. No, you're, you're very that, right. That, you're very right. That you that getting the stopgap guy, you can shop for, but you don't need to break the bank for, because that like Lance Lynn is not going to be the difference if you lose Shane or Glass now or something. And Aaron like Savali now, might not be either. I don't know. He might not be, but he's definitely more in the Eflin line than he is in the 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 fifth starter line. I I mean I would put him b- b- like in terms of just who Zach Lef- Zach Eflin is. I would put him below Zach Eflin. Um, but, yeah, but I don't think we would have put Zach Eflin on the Zach Eflin line before the season. No, you're right. His current line like is incredible. Um, very. He he's one of those guys that could end up like just like winning uh whatever the Tampa Bay Times gives out the team MVP award like I think he might just win it because he is so consistent and there's something about that it's like we all love the Shane McClanahan's and we know how good Tyler Glass now can be when he is firing at all cylinders but it's like the Matt Garza types right like the guy he's gonna take the ball every fifth day yeah he might give up a run here or there but he's going to be consistent and that's what Zach Eflin has been for the race Absolutely. Um, now, so so trade. yeah, interesting, interesting news, interesting news for yeah. sure. The hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, that's uh, nothing serious. Um, Shane could use a rest, I think. Anyway, he definitely seems like his command has been struggling all of this second half as he's tired out. Uh, Velo was good today, so it wasn't it wasn't a drop in Velo or anything that you normally associate with the uh, with with potential forearm injuries, but. Listen, better safe than sorry in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what? The, so bringing in Aaron Savale is a is a big move because you do add a guy who currently has been pitching extremely well, but it's been he's been pitching weirdly well. I think this yeah. is this has been his most effective season so far, but not in. Uh, it's definitely not his best season. If I was looking through his past, I, I think you have. Uh, worse K minus BB rate. He's striking out people less. He's walking people more. He's getting less ground balls. And he's the big thing is he's not giving up home runs. They've got a great outfield defense in Cleveland too, and a very spacious outfield. Lots of he does. room to catch fly balls and line drives. So you have a lot of those things, which you normally think of as 
big glaring warning signs. But his FIP has also been fine. The hard hit rates, the 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 other kind of things, the exit velocity, none of those are standing out as anything like too glaringly bad. He's still spinning the ball very well. He's not getting as many Ks on that curve as he normally does, or as many whiffs. And that's kind of a big key. His, mm-hmm. He's a guy, Savali, looking back through uh, his, each season uh, on, on pitcher lists. They, they have a nice breakdown of different pitch types. And th- this guy is a tinkerer. He is constantly changing. He throws about six different pitches, but each year the actual usage rate is all over the place. His his best stuff is a kind of cutter and a curve. In fact, the curve by Eno Saris's stuff plus metric rates out as the best curve in all of baseball, followed just by Tyler Glass now. And so that curve is amazing. He's probably going to want to throw it more, and he's probably going to want to attack the zone with it more and try to, if the Rays can get that effectiveness up a little bit and just like the pitch mix up a little bit and just kind of figure out what the mix is that works best for him. Maybe ditch some of these pitches that just aren't working. Maybe boost that uh, splitter that the split change that has, has some effectiveness, but he's not used it very often. There's a lot of things to tinker with here. There's a lot to like already, but there is a lot of stuff here that he is a tinkerer. The Rays are tinkerers. Kyle Snyder is the perfect kind of coach to work with a guy who has a lot of different pitch types, like a Tyler Glass now, like a Pete Fairbanks, who loves to just tinker with their pitches. I, I My thoughts on it had kind of elevated leading up to the deadline, but it's like, okay, if we're going to replace a spot in this rotation to try and win the division, because there's a lot at stake right now, like that one and a half games, or maybe, I think maybe they won tonight. Um, no, Toronto won tonight. So it's still one and a half. So one and a half games, not only is like in the previous format, it was kind of like, okay, you have to win it to avoid a one game playoff. But where the American League East right now is, the Rays and Orioles, and anyone else in the AL East that joins the race, are playing for the, a bye in the in the playoffs, which means you're mm-hmm. going straight to the division series. Only two teams do that now. So the winner of the AL West will, will get one. And the winner of the AL East will get one. Like, that's, that's a lot up for grabs in terms of increasing your chances of winning the World Series, avoiding a best of three against... Like right now, it would be Houston. Um, I think would significantly decrease your probability of winning a World Series. And adding a guy like Savale, like it just it solidifies things. And the decision to send Taj Bradley down is something that I kind of I didn't want to see him go down. But when we're evaluating, okay, if the Rays bring in a starting pitcher, I kind of like the bullpen day. Where now it's not really a bullpen day because the Rays are calling Zach Littell a starter. So Taj Bradley gets optioned when Aaron Savale is acquired. Zach Littell is now, by all means, in the starting rotation for the Tampa Bay Rays. Starting uh, Friday first Detroit. But when you hear this, you'll know what kind of start that was. But 
but yeah, apparently uh, Littell, after his last start, which was extremely impressive, uh, kind of shoving around of the Houston Astros, which uh, is like not easy to do. <laughs> like he he was like carving up the Astros pretty well. Um, Zach, Zach Littell was saying that uh, the Rays had been kind of discussing this with him for a while. So it's not like they were kind of just like, I don't know, we need you today to just rear back and give us, you know, four innings. They He went over that, and it's been very, very strange that basically the Rays, much like they did with Drew Rasmussen, much like they did with Jeffrey Springs, this has been a thing that they identified as a guy that might be able to work deeper into games and maybe be, he was a a multi-inning. He was a multi-inning reliever. So now they're just making him a multi, multi, multi multi-inning reliever. And, and I don't like, again, it's impressive what's happening. And I think Zach Littell is a very good pitcher. I don't think he's a Drew. The next is your Rasmussen or Jeffrey Springs. Maybe he is. I won't. It's possible. I'm definitely not calling that. When Drew, before Drew Rasmussen was transitioned to a starter, like I was on record calling him the best reliever in the Rays bullpen. Like it was clear that Drew Rasmussen was just one of the best pitchers on on the staff for the Rays starter or otherwise, no matter how many innings he was throwing. And Jeffrey Springs, I think we saw, we didn't see like how he started this year before his arm went out. Um, But we saw like, okay, there's probably a starting pitcher in here. Uh, Maybe the same way we see Zach Littell. So, uh, I will, you know, it's it's cool, right? And it's just getting us through the regular season. Once you get into the postseason, you only did a four man rotation, so should work out. Uh, but Zach Littell, man, that's like kind of the another part of this trade, right? We we feel comfortable sending Taj Bradley down. We've got Zach Littell to fill those eddings, but we're going to bring in Aaron Savale. That will not only help solidify the rotation now, but we feel pretty comfortable putting the ball in his hands in a postseason game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so I'm excited to see what Savali does, how he's continued, uh, and this sort of stretch with Savali and Latell as these new kind of options. You're also looking at a team that just wants really good innings. And they're less concerned with how many. Now, Savali is a guy who is consistently getting six innings or more. He's done that in about 80% of his games this year. And he usually, he's had some weird freak injuries. Like he started the year with a finger sprain um, that he missed some time with. But he's, he's a guy that when he's healthy, he pitches deep into games. Zach Littell, we don't know. Obviously, he's been a reliever, but you would be fine if he just went out and did a really great four innings. And if he doesn't have the the stuff to go five, then that's already a big jump start in a bullpen day against Houston. He was able to work efficiently and get past that into five innings. Yeah. But, you know, you look at you look at that and you say the spot you're replacing is a bullpen day. Mm-hmm. So if you are giving you solid starter stuff then that that works you also have josh fleming kind of coming coming back soon so i think what the rays looked at there was rumors they were in on 
uh, Lance Lynn. There's rumors that they were really in on uh, Jack Flaherty. There's rumors they yeah. ran on uh, on Erod, uh, who Jack Flaherty didn't look like was, he was going anywhere. <laughs> according to reports by by one guy, the Jack Flaherty trade, and I will uh, Michael Marino is his name, and yeah, he does get some scoops. Like he's not I. I don't know like what who he works for or but like he does not to say that he's right a hundred percent of the time, but like he gets some strange scoops. So he's definitely got some connections and Jack Flaherty was apparently really close, which would have been odd, right? Like you trade for Savale and Flaherty. I don't know if the Rays have ever got other than like getting bullpen help, but you've never go out and seen them. You've never seen them go out and get two starting pitchers within like yeah. a day of each other, which that, so that would have been, Really interesting. I'm I'm curious to see, based on what the Orioles gave up, like what that trade would have looked like. I think that would have been more of that condensing of, uh, I it, if I remember correctly, I did look and I don't have it in front of me, but looking at like kind of the raise one to one, it would have been probably another one of those uh, consolidation trades. Yeah. So the, I think the Rays were looking at like guys that you might lose in the rule five or might leave exposed in the rule five and just like, well, Flaherty gives you innings. Again, he's a guy that can go as five or six. I, I do think I will say this, that there is Flaherty has the brand name. I don't know if he gives you, and he gives you more security. You know, he's a starter. I don't know if he gives you better innings than Zach Littell. Like, yeah, I think I th there's a real question mark there. I, I, I would have felt weird about a, like a Jack Flaherty trade because I don't know if he's an upgrade over what the Rays have. That would have been a different when we when we talk about one. the AL East, when we talk about the AL East, that is something I'm going to bring up is that that was the big trade that Baltimore made for their improve their starting rotation. And yeah, I, I don't know. I the even though Sarah's had a stat basically where when Jack Flaherty is throwing about 93.9. So about 94 miles per hour on his fastball, he's great. He's like actually a really good starter. But when he's throwing basically one mile an hour less, he's basically giving up a, a run an inning and just absolutely not getting the Ks, just not missing bats. And right now he's averaging about 92.7. So just a little under 93, which is he's been hammered. He's been absolutely hammered uh, this yeah. year. So change of scenery could help. Uh, raise, you know, like I, I think what they probably did with that was at the very least what I think the Rays do because you're they're in on every trade, literally everybody that had an arm, it was always like, and the Rays, and the yeah. Rays, and, the Rays, and I think the, the Rays Dodgers, do this. The Dodgers are very similar, the Dodgers as well. And I, but I think here's the thing with that one, when you the the Aaron Savali trade. There was no linking until like the day of, like with actually about like an hour beforehand, there was a raise and Aaron Savali could match up. And then like an hour later, there was the push notification from Passan that it was like, it's done. When there's more smoke about the raise, it's usually not the raise linking it. It's usually the other team or an agent. And so I do think there's a lot of, there's two things at play is my guess, my speculation. One, the raise are used as a nice trade as a trade booster. Like oh, yeah. every team oh, is the like, Rays like this guy the Rays, the Rays and the Dodgers like them. <laughs> you dumb dumbs obviously should, should want to give them more. The Dodger Andrew Freeman's on this line. I got, I got Peter Bendix on the other 
guys, uh, do you think you know better than them? You better trade your uh, seventh prospect to us. Man, for that. that's, so I think that's an extra scene in Moneyball. A deleted scene in Moneyball is like talking back and forth between Andrew Friedman and Eric Neander. And then you've got this this GM that you're just stringing along. It's 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 probably that that kind of uh, that kind of bad scene is probably more in the draft day movie with Kevin yeah. Costner. <laughs> um, but uh, but the other thing I think is that the Rays like to price enforce. I think they they will absolutely it costs nothing to call and check in and be like, hey, would you will you go? This is what the level if the if the market softens. And we have these two guys that were kind of on the fringe that are probably better than a lot of prospects out there. This is this is our offer. There's your floor. If somebody wants to beat it, if the if Baltimore wants to go out and beat it, they're not, not going to necessarily get into a bidding war. I think there's some guys that they will absolutely price and force. They won't get into a bidding war for, but they will at least say, okay, it this is if it if it if the market drives up, we're here. We'll take them. But if you get a better offer than you and know, that's why I feel like the Rays always get the guys that are not really considered on the trade market. Like it's it's there it's never the name that gets brought up on like June eleventh. That's like, oh, this player might get moved, and then there's all this buzz for two weeks, three weeks, and he doesn't get traded to like the team that he was initially linked to. The like Aaron Savali, I, ha- I hadn't seen his name anywhere. And so when that trade went through, because obviously he's a controllable bona fide starting major league starting pitcher it was it was a shock it was a good shock but ultimately the Rays pull it off um manzardo some are saying too high a price i say he's a first base prospect you've got yandy diaz who you just recently locked up to an extension right behind him you've got guys like curtis mead and jonathan aranda we could still see Junior Caminero eventually have to be relegated to just like a first base only role, uh, and then Xavier or, Isaac or Paredes or Paredes moves over or and you have Caminero Paredes. up at third. Yeah, because like defensive ability, like Isak Paredes is a lot younger than Yandi, like seven or eight years younger, but it's kind of looking like the same profile defensively, uh, very different mm-hmm. offensive players. Um, but then Xavier Isaac, who if he's going to play a position in the big leagues, it's like maybe he can play right field for you, but probably first. It's, so, it, it's sort of like a, like a Jordan Alvarez type. Like yeah. his, his position will probably be DH, but if it's in the field, it's first base, a corner outfield. If you can, he's athletic. I mean, he's, he's he also slimmed down. A so lot. We, have, we don't know. Yeah, He did. Yeah. So his, his book is, is just starting. The ink is, just being it, put to paper. I'm all, I am, uh, but it's I'm, exciting. Yeah, I'm all on board the the Xavier Isaac hype train. When I I hated the draft pick. I could say that now because I like him. <laughs> I was shocked by the draft pick, but I loved it because it's the most unraised move I've ever seen. Yeah. And that just made me excited. That got me into the wind horse. What's going on over there? What yeah. what is going on over there? I'm well, the Rays do something that we're not expecting. It's like, oh, what are, what are they thinking? I have to figure a, this out now. Def, a positionless, all bat, no glove, high school, high schooler. What are they doing out there? What's going on? And that and then so that was like I'm just like that is the most intriguing thing 
that they could do. So I, I didn't have a knee jerk bad reaction. I was just like, wow, what a, what's going on? So yeah, I think, I think there was, I, I want to be clear though with Manzardo. I, I do think this is a fair trade. I think that's a great get for Cleveland. Uh, I don't think the Rays dislike Manzardo. I know he had struggled a little bit going into AAA, but I, I think they, I thought they think he's, he's great. I just think they don't have an immediate, we've seen it with Jonathan Aranda. Like the guy is destroying Durham mm-hmm. and AAA. And yet we really don't have a spot for him on the roster. So I do think that's one of those things where it's like, Manzardo, where, where does he fit in? The other thing is he is a first base only on base percentage over power prospect. The Rays have done well trading Cleveland. One of those before <laughs> got him Yande Diaz. Who knows? Maybe that maybe history will repeat itself. Um, but overall, no, I think, I think that was a, as your marquee move, I think that was great. Savale is a, a win for this year. But also, he's there for two more years. Uh, so that's a really good piece that you can, like, basically solidify your rotation. And you can never have too much pitching. So uh, I think that's I think that's a, a really good trade chip. When the market was at its highest for sellers, when you saw guys get mm-hmm. some pretty good returns for rentals, I think sometimes maybe shopping a little bit up. If the price is already high, it can't really get too much higher. So why not see what you can do there? And it's fun. I mean, like, listen, Cleveland is a really smart organization. They're great with pitching. So there's always the, the question like, well, if Cleveland's given up, maybe they're, maybe he's toast. I, I think that's more that Cleveland just has a very strong confidence in their ability to just generate pitching. And I think, you know, the Rays do too. It's just, they've, they've graduated a lot of those guys. So I think Cleveland is thinking, Hey, we can set, high on Savale. I don't think they think he's bad. I just think they are like, well, we can, we're just going to go to the pitching tree and get a few more pitchers out of the pitching tree that we have out in center field at Tito gardens every single day. Uh, and so I, I think that's just a, a good move is Cleveland struggled to get offense. They need offensive players. I think Manzard is a good place. They, they, they made a move and he, he could be a guy that's coming up this year. He, he yeah. could debut by the end of this year. So I hope it works out great. I hope Manzardo is a is a stud for the Guardians, and I hope Savale is is uh, pitching a, a heck of a game in October. So, um, fun fun trade, unexpected, but really really like that move. And that was the big move. So so we should round up. What did the rest of the Rays do? Yeah, and and it, it like they got they got their their starting pitcher, um, and then they kind of filled out. Triple A Durham, like they got the reinforcements. Uh, they got Alex Jackson from Milwaukee, uh, who's going to be kind of the break in case of emergency catcher, um, because you know Francisco Mejia is injured. So you've got an offensively uh, a Christian Bethencourt, a guy who's struggling offensively, and then you've got Renee Pinto, who just comes up from Triple A. Actually, came up from like the uh, Gulf Coast League because he was rehabbing from an injury. So you're like, okay, if P- Pinto or Bethencourt goes down, then we're really in trouble with just uh, one of those guys left. We need to have a AAA catcher. So they bring in Alex Jackson. Um, they get M- uh, Manuel Rodriguez. And they also get Adrian Sampson from the Cubs. 
But uh, Samson is going to be released by the organization, I believe. And Manuel Rodriguez will slot in again at AAA Durham. He had pitched 38 and two-thirds innings in, or not AAA, uh, he was with AAA in Chicago at a 4.42 ERA and a 32.7 strikeout rate. So an interesting AAA pitcher with a little bit of big league experience. And again, just kind of prepared the reinforcements for this bullpen uh, without bringing in any immediate contributors outside of Savale. Yeah, so that's the other big, I think, story is the Rays did not address, they did not add a hitter to the major league roster and they did not add a reliever to the major league roster. However, I do like the moves that they did make. There was not much being moved at catcher. Let's be honest. We looked around. The other catcher move was Austin Hedges, who if you if you loved yeah. Christian Bethencourt's offense, just wait to a guy who's worse at offense and than Christian Bethencourt. Never hits home runs. No. Now, he is the best framer in in baseball and I love that move by Texas to go get him with Jonah Heim injured because Texas has plenty of offense. They can use, they they're fine. They needed a catcher. So that that's actually a really nice move there. When it comes to uh, the Rays, they have two guys that are very good defensively. Mejia's yeah. coming back this season. They took a nice little shot in the dark. It's a, a another kind of consolidation trade. It's another, you know, moving a piece to get a piece, a different piece. Uh, Alex Jackson, formerly the sixth overall pick back in 2014, high schooler at that time, uh, picked one spot ahead of Aaron Nola in yeah. the 2014 uh, MLB draft. Um, a lot of power, huge. Some say like flashes 80 power, a lot of swing and miss. Swings at everything. A very interesting player, right? Like, a guy that maybe could be good. Like, he might be decent. I don't know if it, he'll ever get that chance. I think the Rays went for a high upside guy. I think we also heard them link to Joey Bart in San Francisco, another former first-round pick, high first-round pick. Like, I think that – I think when, you, when you're the Rays and you have – do you get an upgraded catcher or do you get a guy that has the biggest chance to be an upgrade? So Alex Jackson maybe could be the catcher of the future or just released in the offseason. But it, he costs almost nothing to do. So you you take him, you get him, you have in the meantime a catcher who can fly up from Durham with an option if somebody gets hurt. But in the long run... You, you kick some tires on a guy that had a lot yeah. of uh, prospect pedigree. Maybe he's around next spring. Maybe he gets a shot in spring training. Who knows? Maybe the Rays move on from one or both of Bethancourt and Mejia. Because um, we're getting into the territory where like Blake Hunt, I think, would have been the next guy up. And I don't know if the Rays are convinced he is ready. Uh, the price for Alex Jackson was Evan McKendry, who was like the starting pitcher stuck to AAA. The Rays were clearly not believers in Evan McKendry. Um, he was having a decent season with Durham. I think he had a decent season last year with Durham. It was just a matter of the Rays didn't see him as a big league pitcher. But maybe he'll get a chance with Milwaukee. Um, there was one other notable trade of a, an outgoing man from the 40-man roster. But I do want to talk about Manuel Rodriguez. Uh, yes. Who just 
crazy strikeout stuff. Is he a big league reliever? I don't know. We'll see. He'll probably he'll definitely get a shot at some point over the next two months. Maybe it comes when rosters expand. Maybe it's before then. Um, but man, like a lot of velocity, a lot of strikeout stuff. And again, if you're going to take a flyer on a guy, do it do it on one that throws hard and has some nasty breaking balls. Uh, he's very interesting. Like that is a, this, okay. So it's not, a lot of people were throwing out, um, the Garrett Clevenger move of last year. It's not that Clevenger was a major league arm. Like we know that now man, Manuel Rodriguez has pitched in the major leagues. Uh, but he's a guy that could have that kind of level of impact. He could be a guy that we look back on as a real steal of a get. He's not a guy that immediately you're like, we need him in the seventh inning right now. But he is a guy. Garrett Clevenger's not the move. He's not the he's not the comp. For me, the comp is Jason Adam. It's and it works so well because it's from the Cubs. It's a controllable arm that is live and exciting. And give it away for nothing. And I'm, and it's weird. Now, Josh Roberts Roberson is uh, the piece. So they did get something back that is good. But it, I, the, in this trade, the Rays get, they basically bought an international uh, money, bonus money. Why the Cubs have the Ricketts as owners, they're obscenely wealthy. Why are you giving away inner like Josh Roberson for Manuel Rodriguez is a fine trade. It's like two flame throwing minor leaguers who may be nothing, but could be something. And you're just changing scenery and that's fine. You could be like, here's somebody, just somebody new. That's a fine trade. That's not a Jason Adam thing. When you're like, here's some international money plus this other guy, just that we just need to, to shed 633,000. It makes me feel like, they're giving up on a the best player in this trade is Manuel Rodriguez. Yes. He has a crazy high whiff rate, high K rate, and extremely almost a 60% ground ball rate. Now, he's wild, he has poor command. He sounds like every reliever uh to me with high high whiff rate. Yeah, the there's a rate. reason he's a reliever. There's a reason he's a reliever, and there's a reason he costs Josh Roberson. Okay, that like so like that's we're not it's not Craig Kimbrell, but Craig Kimbrell cross like prime Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen cost a lot of money. This is not that, but he's a guy that has the stuff that could be a elite major league reliever if it comes together. Like Jason Adam, we Jason Adam was available off the scrap heap because he couldn't command his fastball, but he had an amazing fastball, amazing change, great curve. Now he's a very good major league reliever. Manuel Rodriguez. If he doesn't become that, whatever. Josh Roberson was a Rule 5 potential pick uh, in the offseason. These are the type of trades that I was calling for last time, and I loved that they did, which was shuffle around the roster, shuffle around the edges, see what you can add that's not on the 40-man now or has an extra year control or has an option to be burned or could help you this year. And Manuel Rodriguez fits a couple of those. I think he could be a guy that would – that will come up probably in September. So you get a month in Durham to maybe tinker with. 
And then you cut, you come up and he kind of replaces the Ryan Thompson, Jalen Beeks, like eighth guy in the bullpen role. See what you got. Does he record it out for the Rays in the postseason? Manuel Rodriguez. Oh, Ooh. No. I'm going to say no. I'm going to play it safe because the bullpen is weirdly. It would not surprise me. I hope you say, I hope you take the other. So you, so one of us can be right. Yeah. I mean, I think he replaces the beaks role. And so when we're getting blown out in game four against the Orioles, he, uh, he gets to pitch, right? Um, no, I mean, I, I really like the trade. And the other thing the Rays did, which feels kind of illegal, and maybe it'll be patched up in the next <laughs> CBA, is so they, <laughs> the Rays, nowhere near like the luxury tax, right? And there is no salary cap in Major League Baseball. They add Adrian Sampson because the Rays, even though they're very good, have not spent a lot of money on this year's payroll. They had Adrian Sampson. They cut him loose, agreeing to re- to pay the remainder of his major league salary this season. But they basically magically turn that money into international bonus pool money, which will then allow them to go sign, uh, you know, may- maybe the next uh, Warner Franco. Um, like go out and, and sign uh, international free agents which you're limited to a certain amount of dollars unless you acquire more via trade. And so the Rays did kind of like an NBA-style trade. Like, this is a very NBA-style trade where there's some money being, like, exchanged. Uh, Somehow the Rays are going to come off better from this. Uh, But it seems like good business for the Rays. If you're paying... The thing is, with international pool, that type of uh, draft system, it's not really a draft, it's an auction system. The more money you have, the more options you have, whether it's to spread that around or to be able to make a big offer. And had the Rays not had a lot of money at the time Wander was posted, they don't have Wander Franco. That's yeah. the simple way of it. I like the international free agent system a little bit more. I don't love how the ethics of how that kind of comes about. And some of the scouting uh, yes. over there, but <laughs> but the the international system is so much better than a draft because instead of punishing teams, punishing players by having to go to worse teams or encouraging tanking, you can then use your money however you see fit, and you don't uh-huh. have to just take a guy. And I I think the Rays do so well in international free agency not just because they have a very robust scouting team down there and they've really invested the time and effort to build camps and 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 work with kids down there but they also are able to allocate their money not because whoever falls to the 18th pick it's they can go right. after and and actively scout so basically $200,000 or whatever the prorated is left of Adrian Sampson is worth quadruple that in whatever international money you get because that just opens more doors that's more options it's basically like buying a draft pick in a lot of ways and it's it baffles me that the cubs would just give that away for end of end a good reliever 
Like, I think if this was a Josh Roberson for international slot money deal, I would be very happy with that from the Rays perspective. Yeah. No, getting both, getting both is silly. Getting both is great. Masterclass. Obviously, it's not as large of a scale of an addition as Aaron Savale, but I think it's fair to say that this could be your favorite trade that the Rays made, like in terms of the intricacy of it and the thought process behind it, what we think the thought process is. And it's no, it's no loss. Like it may not be a big win, but it's no loss. You're just like, you know, Josh Roberson, even if he becomes great, you weren't going to be able to protect him anyway. So it's like, he was gonna, he was getting away regardless. So why not? So yeah. Also when the Rays take on money to get something, why not? It's not my money. Um, so they, we mentioned the Alex Jackson edition. There was one departure. Oh, no. Oh, my mic is back. Uh, there was one departure from the 40 man roster. And that was Luis Patino, who was maybe notably like one of the really big pieces in the Blake Snell trade. He's still incredibly young, right? Uh, but it has not worked out. For 23, me. almost 23. He's not even 23 yet. Yeah. Which makes me. He's very young. He's absurd. Which makes I'm, me weary about this trade. He was traded to the Chicago White Sox for nobody, for cash considerations, pawned off to Chicago. The Rays do not see a use for Luis Patino anymore. I don't know. I had some mixed feelings about this trade. I'm sad to see Luis go. Obviously, was really excited to acquire him in the Blake Snell trade. But yeah, it never worked out. Will it? Would it have ever worked out? I don't know. The Rays have a lot of pitching. He's probably going to consistently be the odd man out. It's tough. I, you know, this is a tough one because I'm sure they shopped him around and this is the best they could do. And I think what they, again, the value here is a, is a roster spot. There's only Mm -hmm. so many on the 40 man roster. So you get literally whatever you can for that. Now the question is, do you, is that worth it versus just keeping him? And I don't know, just, opening that roster spot with somebody else. Yeah. There's a couple people that could come to mind. So I, it is a question mark. I, it's tough. Luis Patino is such an interesting case because um, the Padres ruined him. Like they ruin every pitching prospect. They, yeah. What a absolutely terrible pitching development program. The San Diego Padres have straight up. I'm just, I'm, like Mackenzie Gore had all the talent to Nelson Lament. Like they, they have just churned through Ryan Weathers. They just traded, yeah. uh, um, uh, Adrian, uh, Morahan, uh, yeah. rushed and injured. They, they, they have absolutely burned through arms. When the, when people think the Rays, we, the we did that, Cole like, Wilcox, burn, like churn and burns. Trader. Got him so young. That's the thing yeah. with, with Luis Patino. They rushed him to the majors through multiple lines, which did him no no favors because they were desperate for pitching. During the pandemic, during times where he just, and he was exposed there, then he was mm-hmm. jerked around when it comes to these developments. And I honestly think it really hurt his development a ton. And the Rays 
there were some moments that they were working with him. And I, I still think he's a type of guy that I would want to get into my club, but, and I think he could still be something. I, I think this is a, a white Sox did a great job of just being able to be like, Hey, we'll take him. Let's, you know, let's do I, it. I wonder but how it would have turned he, out. He needs those mechanics. Hit. Yeah. The mechanics are really bad uh, or they're, they're inconsistent. They're not bad per se. I wonder how his Rays career would have panned out had he not been on the 40-man roster when they acquired him. It felt like the Rays mm. were almost forced to use him. They like to use almost everyone that is on the 40-man. Mm. He had had he had been in the big yep. leagues before, but again, he's not even 23. And the fact that he, I don't know, in another timeline, like, might not have ever appeared in the big leagues yet up until maybe this season. He would have, he would have come up like Taj Bradley this year and and gotten a few starts. And Taj Bradley would have been his first year. Like, yeah, the struggles, his struggles that even he went through this year, not too dissimilar from Taj Bradley, but the fact that like he was seen, he's seen as like this player with no options. He's going to be a dirty service time. Yeah. He's going to be a DFA candidate going into the spring for Chicago, it, it's kind of sad for a, for a pitcher that has yeah. what we think is a lot of potential. Again, maybe it works out for him in Chicago. I hope it does. It's it's not too dissimilar. It, instead of injuries, it's not too dissimilar to the story of Brent Honeywell. Yeah. Where where it's like just, just a lot of bad luck. A lot of like, oh, this is something. And then like, Luis Patino comes into this year with a last year. He's starting in the rotation. First game, second batter, like gets like a finger injury mm-hmm. or an oblique injury. This year, he's he's still struggling with another side injury. And it's like you can't get, you know, he he just the the luck was just never there and it was similar to like that to, to brent honeywell it's like every time there was like this is it this is the lane this is the moment then it was like an injury or just bad timing and uh yeah it uh it it sucks it sucks because i do think there's a lot of timelines and a lot of futures where luis patino is a dynamic major league pitcher and we might be living in one where he's not but He's also so insanely young. He's younger than a lot of people in AAA. So I think he will, should get a ton more chances. And maybe he is somebody that can find the right, you know, see something work out. So I, I really hope hope it happens. Um, but uh, it's, it's a big move. I mean, I think like the Rays... I, I think they saw that it's it's opening a roster spot. It's an interesting move. It's an interesting move. Um, but and it's a it's kind of a it's a it's a bit of a tragedy. It's not over yet. The story's not written. He's still alive, but <laughs> it, it's it's a shame because I I know like he he clearly cares a lot. He clear he clearly cares a lot. So yeah, I, I wish him the best of luck. Me as well. Uh, let's go around the league. Was there one specific trade that really stood out to you? And was there a team that you thought had a really great deadline or maybe a really terrible deadline? 
I think if I'm looking around, I think Houston had a really good deadline. Mm. However, they had a very weird deadline. And I, and I, I do, somebody mentioned this on Twitter. Like, I really wonder what the James click Houston Astros would have done at this deadline. And it's probably not trade their first and fourth uh, prospect yeah. very for just Verlander again. But it's like, they've kind of been but almost a free Verlander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they, they, they like, they got Steve Cohen to pay for, for half like fine, they they had Steve Cohen finance Justin Verlander for them, which is a very bizarre thing. Steve Cohen also like kind of break feels like he's breaking the rules. Um, with the just buying prospects, he's like, right. how much money does this get me to the first over to your first prospect? Fifty million, whatever. Okay, yeah, Who cares? it's like it's very much like European soccer, like transfer fees. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. I mean, I I think that could be a whole other podcast. What the Mets are doing, and it might be like them going coming into the season and now getting to this point, very embarrassing, right? But given what has happened, they're doing okay. At trying, I think the Mets had a very good deadline. I think the Mets had a. I think Texas, both Texas teams, Houston had a very fun deadline. They got. Kendall Graveman, I thought that's a pretty solid move. They they got Justin Verlander. They needed another pitcher. Uh, I thought te- the Texas Rangers did a great job. I Again, the Yankees did decent, adding to their pitching staff. I mean, Keenan, I like Kenyon. Keenan Middleton. Middleton's good. Spencer Howard. And then they got Spencer Howard. Like, okay, interesting. Like, Middleton was a good addition, but is it going to matter for the Yankees? Because... I so here here's my here's what I, I think. There was teams that made good I thought really impacted their team very well. Getting getting starter in Lucas Giolito, who had a terrible start today, um, against the Braves, but it's the Braves. Uh yeah. and Ronaldo Lopez. I think that's a big impact for them. I thought the Astros went out and got what they needed. Uh I thought the Rangers did a great job getting both not just Max Scherzer, but also Jordan Montgomery. I thought that was a really good move for them. I thought that really solidified their pitching quite a lot. I thought the Mets did a great job by breaking it down and picking a lane and being like, this isn't working. So Mark Canna, uh, Tommy Pham, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, see you later. And for Cohen to being like, listen, what will it take to get me the best prospect? This isn't, I, I'll eat all the money here. I'll, like, here's a, here's a, here's two, I'll pay two thirds of Max Scherzer's contract so I can get uh, Ronald Cunha's little brother. Let me, how, what can I do? How much of Justin Verlander can I pay for to get Drew Gilbert? Like the, I think yeah. those are really good. Like that was a great move. I, the teams that did the worst are not teams that I think they didn't pick a lane. I, I think the Yankees did terrible. <laughs> I think the Yankees did terrible. I don't think Middleton does anything for them. I think that's a good pickup. But, but who out there could already have pretty done good. something for them? I don't think there was anything. So they should have sold. I think they should have sold. I Fair. think I think you look at this team and you go, you you don't have a pitcher. You need pitching. 
before even before the Domingo Herman stuff came out today. Yeah, like uh, Carlos Rodon like, has been need, able to find the strike zone. You, you need pitching. They they needed that. I, I think there's a there's a there is a there is a, a, a argument to be made that the Yankees failed at this deadline before the deadline started, and they failed in the offseason because they didn't have a left fielder. They didn't have a, a, like a really solidified catcher spot. They they were missing a lot of like the key pieces, and now they still didn't add a left fielder. But like Mark Canna or Tommy Pham, that's something. I feel like they could have gotten something, or they could have just traded, but they just sort of were like, eh, pass, which fine, whatever. But I don't know. I I think the Yankees had a had a disappointing deadline because they didn't do enough to move. I think the Mariners, I just they just don't know how to pick a lane they trade paul seawald for a another it's a it's a very reminiscent of the kendall graveman trade where you trade you know one of your best relievers and you get kind of a grab bag back uh josh rojas is they they replace uh colton wong who's had an awful year he's i think he's like a negative one and a half the dfa player they did Oh, wow. And they replace him with Josh Rojas, who's having an awful year as well, but he has three years of control. So that's fun. You get to have not only just one year of him, you get three more. Um, <laughs> Dominic Canzone got Dominic Canzone and Ryan Bliss are, are interesting pieces, but like I feel it feels light, feels like you could have gotten more there. And then I think the problem with the Mariners is they did that trade, which, okay, fine. Canzone is a, is an interesting bat. He, he could be a neat, neat bat. Rojas fills a role and you have a nice prospect, but then what's the next move? It, that feels like the start of a move, either trade a little bit more or try to go get something else. I don't know. They didn't, they just didn't do enough. I, I think, I think the Padres are another team that I just don't think, I think they, I think the Padres made a lot of moves, but it's like, these are teams on the outside looking in. And I think you either, if you're going to buy, I think you need to actually buy. If you're going to just, you know, stay on Pat, that's fine. But like, did the Padres do enough adding Rich Hill, G-Man Choi and Garrett Cooper? Like that's a fun, fine platoon at first, but I don't no, know if those AJ marketably changed. <laughs> If they don't make the playoffs, I think he's in trouble. Um, Chicago, I don't know what the Cubs did. They they didn't trade Cody Bellinger, but that's it. They just didn't trade Cody Bellinger. That was their deadline. That was like their big move. Was like, yeah, we're just keeping him. And sometimes I don't know. Action, I think I think there was like like sometimes not making a move is better than making one. And that's why I'll defend like. I'll defend the Yankees sure. and kind sure. of what they did. Like, if you're the Yankees, we're already unlikely to make. We're already unlikely to make the postseason. But if we do, it's going to be because Aaron Judge goes scorched earth, and we've got Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon mm. and Nestor Cortez that are all healthy and pitching really well at the end of the season. And so we'll be fine, like, if we get there. And if we don't get there, that's okay, too. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's just a situation. I think that's fair. And I think maybe it's a situation where they're just in a spot that's tough. They 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 have a, they didn't do enough to really, to really do either. 
and same with the Cubs and same with the Padres. Like it's just, they needed to actually do better. Otherwise well, the, the Mets. Point? Yeah. Well, I like what you said about the Mets. It's like uh, Steve Cohen read, uh, cause I, st- I do believe he's making like all the decisions there. Um, all he is, they have no, they have no GM. They, I yeah. mean, they are going to have one in the off season that they're going to have David Stearns in the off season, but Steve Cohen. <laughs> yeah. It's just Steve Cohen. And, uh, but he really seems to understand like the sunk cost fallacy, like, okay, maybe we screwed up signing Scherzer and Verlander and thinking this would work. So let's try to make the best of it. So I definitely think the Mets like, I like that answer for maybe not best deadline because it's still funny that they met themselves into getting here to this point. Um, but maybe they did the, the best thing they could have and decided to rip the bandaid off, which other teams don't, right? Maybe, maybe no. more like the, this is a very, kind of let it fester. I, I think that's the thing is I, I like that they, and, and I think it's true that the Yankees, they don't have a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander to trade. So that's, you know, that that would be better if you had them because then you can get something more. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, though, there is there is something to the trade deadline where making a move to improve your current team is also about sending a message to that team. So the Padres did send a message by not trading Snell, not trading Hader and adding, you know, Rich Hill and, and G man Choi and Gary Cooper is that, Hey, we like this team. Here is some major leaguers back. That's fine. I, I, I don't think they did enough. I thought they should have done more, but I think that's sending the signal to your team. We would like to go to the postseason. So now it's on you. We got you some re- replacements. Now it's on you. I think there still is a point where you have to be like, if you're on the outside looking in, you you might want to try some either consolidation trades or something just to just to shuffle shuffle it up a little bit and and see what you can improve on. Like I, I can't imagine that that Isaiah kind of Kiner Falefa as your leadoff hitter and starting left fielder is the best you can do and that Jake Bowers is the best you can do. Very I don't know. Fair. It's like, I like it's something, even if it is like a, a Tommy fan, like that's not a, that's not a good difference between the postseason, but at least we'll have some little sparks. Some he interest. wasn't going to shave his beard. I, I he, he wouldn't have. I, I don't think he would have either. Uh, and nobody would have stopped him. <laughs> and I, and I definitely yeah, don't George Steinbrenner was gonna wasn't going to, <laughs> Come out of his brain. Yeah. Real quick problem. before we head off, because we're we're running out of time here, we should do a rundown. We talked about the Yankees. Yes. Let's do a quick around around the AL yeah. East. Uh the Red Sox uh added Luis Urias, but they traded Kike Hernandez. Uh, they're just kind of they're just kind of there. Um, yeah, like maybe they get hot, but it doesn't seem like they're a true contender. They're, they're kind of sticking with what they got, you know, maybe yeah. tr- tr- Trevor story coming back is like their big addition really. And it's kind of been the Heim like MO since he got the Boston job. 
they 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 don't do a lot of big acquisitions in Boston with Heim, and I think there's a lot of room to criticize him as like ahead. Like he obviously was very valuable at the Rays. I'm not convinced that like he is the best man for the job in Boston. I think you see. I think both Boston and New York are fans are going through it right now with their managers or their general managers, and uh, I think both are pretty upset and I, and and Heim could very well be on the hot reason. seat. Yeah, maybe not this year, but in the coming years. Um, not to say that like he had a terrible deadline, but just a very bland one. Did didn't again? It's in that in that vein for me where they you are on the outside looking in now. You didn't do enough, I think, to change your output. Yeah. So you could you your team as constructed could still do that. But you didn't, the deadline is about opportunities mm-hmm. and there was, you did not, there was no opportunity or you didn't take that opportunity either way. That's just what happened. Yeah. Um, the Blue Jays, uh, I think actually had a pretty decent deadline. They, before that, they added um, uh, uh, Genesis Cabrera from the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Cardinals and then went back to the Cardinals and said, Paul DeYoung, our amazing shortstop. Said he felt a pop in his knee and that scared the crap out of us. So we need a shortstop. And Paul DeYoung is there. And thankfully, thankfully, it sounds not fully serious. No structural damage. Just right patellar tendonitis for Bo Bichette. He is going to the IL, um, but does not. But that could have been a lot worse. A non-contact injury. So I think, you know, I listen, we do not want to see. Bo Bichette's awesome and we do not want to see him hurt. So right. very good news that he is not, there was nothing, nothing bad, nothing structural. Um, Paul DeYoung's a good trade. Even when Bo Bichette comes back, that's a solid bench ad. Um, I think the thing is the Blue Jays did small moves, but they're in a position where small moves are all you need. Just work around the edges. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I like the Jordan Hicks move. I still believe that there's like a, a postseason bullpen fear factor involved. And when a guy can touch like 103 on the radar gun, hey, I'd like to have him in my bullpen. Um, so good moves for Toronto. Uh, and then Baltimore, right? We've we've covered the Yankees enough, yeah. I think. Baltimore, Baltimore is the last. We saved them for the last because they are in first place. And they're playing the best of anybody in the division right now. Yeah. And anybody in the American League, you could argue. And their deadline mm-hmm. like really goes back to the uh, Shintaro Fujinami trade that they made earlier in the month. Yep. And yep. man, I love that trade. And man, I hope the Rays also made an offer on him because it just it feels like everyone's going to love that trade. He's going to be the guy like when he's pitching in October and he's got like a two run lead in the seventh that he has to come in and try to hold on to that people are going to be like, man, remember when the Orioles traded for him? Not before, like, not right before the trade deadline, but like they got him pretty early on and he turned into a stud for their bullpen. Yeah. I, I love that trade. I said, I, I tweeted about it at the time or zeded about it at the time. <laughs> I think I made that joke last week too. I got to stop. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's actually saying zed. Um, He's a great he's a great reliever and the key for them is they needed more relievers because you cannot have just Felix Bautista and Yenier Cano pitch every single day. Although they're trying their best to to disprove that. So, yeah, Fujinami is great. Uh, and the other big trade was they needed a, a starting pitcher 
and they got Jack Flaherty. And so back to that, I I think the Orioles, I don't think they had a bad trade deadline. I think they they checked the boxes they needed to check. Add a reliever, add a starter, check and check. Did they check those boxes enough to secure the division or set themselves up? Because this is, again, we're not talking about can they make the playoffs? It's can they win the World Series? I don't know. That starting pitcher, I, I think this might have been an opportunity for the Orioles. And we don't know what was out there, but like I feel like I, I don't love that – Jack Flaherty was the best they could come away with. I think that was a, I think that was a, 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 a real missed opportunity for them. Yeah. You wonder what other, not a bad, pitchers... not a loss. No, 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 no. But if they had pulled off like a Dylan cease trade, um, that would have, I think that like we heard statement trade. We heard Dylan Cease's name out there. We heard Verlander's name out there. We heard yeah. Scherzer's name out there. We heard Eduardo Rodriguez's name out there. Michael Lorenzen's name, which again, I think that's more similar to Jack Flaherty. Verlander or come away Cease with. would have been like the big statement trade, but it would have yes. cost obviously way more. Um, it would have. And that's, and I think that's the key though, is that Baltimore, Baltimore has ungodly young prospects. Like they have a, they all seem to be stuff. good. And they're all good. And they're all good at the same exact time. But here's the thing. The Rays end up taking Kyle Manzardo and they turned him into a controllable starting pitcher. The Orioles did not take one of those guys and like a Colton Cowser and turn him into a controllable starting pitcher. And we're going to see. We're going to see how that shakes out. We're going to see if maybe getting Lucas Giolito was a miss or Lance Lynn and Jack Flaherty or Michael Lorenzen and Jack Flaherty or, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's the, it's not a loss. It's not a, a winning deadline. It's the, did they maybe miss a trick? Did they maybe miss an opportunity to improve this club right now? Their window is still wide open, so they didn't affect that. But did they did they have that opportunity right now this year to win that division and really challenge for the entire American League uh, and kind of put put that out there? Houston, they're down right now, but they're they're right hot on the heels of the Rangers, and they improved. The Angels have Otani; they have Trout coming back. The Rangers added Max Scherzer, and I think Jordan Montgomery is, just frankly, better than Jack Flaherty. So they added yeah. two pitchers that are higher. So I think the the Orioles are a very good team, but I think you saw the Rays, the Astros, the Rangers, the Angels all get better. Now, they were all below the the Orioles. So it's just a matter of how much better and what the difference is there. But I, that's my, that's my thing is I think coming away with just Jack Flaherty is a missed opportunity. Fair, fair. I, I think Baltimore is still 
I mean, the, I think the Rays are probably still the odds-on favorites to win the American League East. It's pretty close now, though, as we get closer to the end of the season. Um, the the Flaherty trade felt like when they couldn't come to an agreement on Cease, they had a deal to fall back on for Flaherty. Maybe it was the same way with Verlander. Um, should make for a very interesting division race. I will say, after these last two series, I feel a lot more comfortable with the Rays. Not to say that they're going to win the division. Um, I know I predicted that they'd win it by more than eight games. I don't think that's going to happen now. But um, I feel I feel pretty good. The vibes, again, because I turned it off after the Giancarlo Santon home run, or before it even landed, uh, I, the vibes are still high over here. It's good stuff. I think we're in for it. Exciting. I think the deadline came in past and now we talked about it. This is now, this is the team. We now see all the teams out there. Uh, this is what they have. And yeah, let's, let's see it. This is yeah. uh the shuffling is over. Cards are down. We, we now, now it's just all on the players. It sure is. And it's going to be a really fun ride. Uh, that's going to do it for this special midweek episode of Raise Your Voice covering the trade deadline. Uh, as always, make sure to follow uh, com. And if you like what we do here on, uh, on Raise Your Voice, make sure to subscribe or follow on your pl- preferred pl- podcast platform to make sure that every new episode is downloaded directly to your device. Once again, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week.